such a good old boy Never meaning no harm Beats all you never saw Been in trouble with the law Since the day they was born Good old boys A Mark Bog Beef Tonight we're joined by Mr. Primetime Pedro Gonzalez How you doing, sir? <laughs> I'm good uh, I've never been introduced as such But I, I appreciate it, thank you Yeah, you're my, my dad has seen you on TV Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Around here we call you Primetime Because you can catch this guy on Highest rate cable news show in the nation uh, Four, five, six I mean, m- m- many times With, with the, the man, Tucker Carlson yeah, I, I, it's been it's been a wild ride because up until maybe a year ago, if that, I was just kind of screaming into the void, and then suddenly, I guess Tucker heard me screaming and brought me on a show, and then had me continue screaming on a show, and uh, it's been received. It seems like it's been received pretty well, so I, it's 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 been cool. Um, it's been fast, and it's been humbling because. Uh, I have a real case. I'm not Jewish, but I have a real sense of like Jewish guilt and a real a real sense of like the imposter syndrome. You know, you're like, dude, should I even be here? Should I even be on TV? Uh, so no, it's it's been it's been a, a a whirlwind, but I guess it's it's all been good though because uh, a lot of people seem to be happy with what I'm saying. So also American greatness, senior writer, columnist, uh, Chronicles Mag. You can go to pedrogonzalez.com and all your links and stuff are there. Yeah, that's right. Really dig what you're doing. There's, you had a, a comment earlier, but you're talking about the, uh, the, the, this is the Southern, the Southern man in the, in the Latin, the Latin cross conference here. <laughs> you know, it, it, you know when, I'm, when I'm at the country Western store, you know, it's, we're all, it's all of us getting out of the same, getting out of the trucks, wearing the boots, with the hats, we're we're a people separated only by the accordion. That's it. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. No, I think bo- both both cultures have a kind of uh, an inclination towards a leisurely lifestyle, which I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think uh, I think the the Protestant work ethic might be kind of overblown because I like leisure. Uh, <laughs> both both cultures seem to be home to men with uh, hot tempers that like fighting and drinking. Uh, both cultures have, uh, I think, are, are associated with a kind of sentimentalism, right? We like to tell people how we feel. We don't like to hold back. Unlike the cold and calculating wasp. So I think, <laughs> I mean, I was being like, I was only half kidding when I said that uh, like Southern rednecks are like really just like America's first iteration of the Latino, uh, the, La- the Latino impulse. But I think there's actually a lot of truth to it. Like, absolutely. There's a Civil War joke that uh, the Civil War would not have happened if the South was not mostly populated by uh, Scots-Irish because of their temper. Yeah, I think it's yeah. actually true. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Uh, whenever a lot of whenever people ask, like, "Well, Scots-Irish," I'm just like, "Yeah, we're the white people you see on Cops." That's, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, the white people you see on Cops. It's a Venn diagram, likely to be on Cops, likely to serve in the military in some kind of combat arms role. It's a circle. I really like the Huey Long stuff, and I, and not 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 even just is is just the Huey Long because I think it really it goes into the general thing that that I that I love to see you do is that a lot of people don't get a lot of people don't really get Huey Long. I think you you got it from the start. The if you're let's say you're an ambitious guy and you want to 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 get get a lot get power, well you need to peel off. Uh, uh, it's because here's what happens. I, I I see you say, hey, well maybe the GOP should do this, maybe GOP should do that, and then you have these guys pop up. Let's say in the case of unions, right? 
Uh, you say, well, hey, you know, th- we, we can make a deal here with with uh, with, uh, with some guys, right? Uh, you you know, I had a conversation with a guy who uh, uh, this is uh, no one would know this, but this guy is is like he is the kind of person that these people say, well, you could never make a deal with them, right? You could never make this guy is a, a communist. A um a union man a union like a, a foreman or whatever like uh, all lives and breathes the union stuff blah 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 a vote Democrat blah blah. I asked him the other day. Uh, I, I had a um you were having a back and forth with um some guy. Well, I was gonna say, hey, what do you think about this? Uh, what 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 would happen if if uh, the right sort of uh, uh did this? And the guy said, you know what? He said, you know, the Democrats they don't really do shit for us anymore. He said, you'd be surprised the kind of headway they would they would make. To me, this is like okay, the Democratic Party can't just like they can't do the communities and the Asians and the unions and. And the finance sector, like you guys, can't, if if all you guys are their clients, then there's not enough to go around. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I know which which exchange. I try to actually avoid Twitter B fours because I think they're a huge waste of time, and I think that a lot of people actually use these B fours to grow their accounts and their and their clout, which is it's all kind of sad if you think about it. It's like this is Twitter, but um, yeah. So the the point that I was making, and I think that exchange that you're describing is that look we don't have to go all in on unions whatever even that means i don't know but my point is is that there there's a possibility for a coalition between working people forget unions between working people and between a populist right movement that's it and i think if you look at these these blue collar workers people that work with their hands, these steel workers, they're not paused liberals. There's this great video of, I think, Steven Crowder, who went to like a right-to-work rally. It was, it was an anti-right-to-work rally. It was all these union guys protesting the, that uh, right-to-work laws and arguing that, it, that it's undermining the, the basis of, of unionis, uh, unionization. And Crowder, this is like early Crowder when he was, I guess, experimenting with the whole change my mind thing. And uh, it didn't go well. Like, he got beat up because these were not college kids uh, who don't know, like, what like you know what their identity is and are, like, heavily medicated. Like, these were, like, grown dudes who were much bigger than Crowder. There was, I think there was a few veterans in the crowd based on what they were wearing. And, like, several different people took swings at him. And they ultimately destroyed his, like, Steven Crowder changed my mind tent. And they just tore it down to the ground and, like, chased him out. And I saw that. Gonna, it was humiliating. Yeah, you, you're <laughs> going to tell me those people are paused. You're, you're going to tell me that those. You, who would you rather have on your side, like the the average TPUSA influencer or those crazy fuckers that are willing to fight and bleed for what they believe in and what they care about? I, it's not a hard choice for me. And so again, um, you don't have to like simp for the uh, the the AFL. I forget the second half of the, uh, of the acronym. CIO. But, yeah. You don't have to simp for them, because obviously that is a that's like the worst example of a union. That's that's not a that's a, that, that's a bureau, yeah. it's a managerial union is what I would call it. Like it's this bureaucratic thing that is indistinguishable from like I don't know, like the, the people that run it are of the same mind as Jeff Bezos ultimately, and and like there's not a whole lot of daylight between someone who works there and someone who runs like Raytheon or something. Not the same thing as the private sector union, the, the plumber, uh, the, the carpenter, things like that. And my point is like, look, we can, we should be able to uh, sympathize with these people and attract them. And you don't have to like come up with some like crazy 
I don't know, explicitly pro-union policy, just listen to what they're complaining about and then make policy based around that. And so one of the, the most obvious thing is immigration. Like anyone who's yep. in a union, anyone who's in a union and is not paused knows that immigration is, is, a, is a threat to you. Why? Because immigration totally def- undercuts the purpose of a union. Like why, why go through the process of union bargaining and all that stuff when you can just hire uh, Ill- illegal or cheap labor to just compl- to completely break the uh, a union strike and stuff like that. But like for some reason, a lot of guys on the right, even the so-called dissident right, which actually isn't that dissident, um, when they hear union, it's like they just see red and they're like their IQ just falls to the floor and they just. I don't know. They they revert basically back to like uh, like kind of like liberal economics. Ironically, the Bernie Bros. They the, there was this big moment in the campaign last time where they were they were vying for uh, they were vying for the, the votes of this 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 Nevada gaming union or something like that. And of course, like the, all the union leadership was you know they're all they're all just uh, you know uh, party yeah. hacks and stuff. Yeah, and they're yeah. like, oh, get lost. And, and, and like the the Bernie Bros. Like they, they couldn't get over this. They made this huge deal out of it. Blah blah blah. And they got the like like even though. The, the the union like even though they put out a statement that said you guys have to vote uh, you're, you're supposed to go vote for um you know Biden or whatever um uh the, 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 they they actually they still got a majority of the fucking voters yeah there's an article in Politico where it, the, the headline is basically that it's uh while the heads of unions uh, may have swung for Biden like Trump managed to pull in a substantial portion of the rank and file union vote and this is what people miss uh on on every part of the right whether it's mainstream or dissident it's like yeah the heads of these bureaucratic public sector unions and even the paused private sector unions like yeah you're right like these people are indistinguishable from like tim cook but the rank and file uh they 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 swung for trump and and what's even more impressive about that is the fact that trump himself was not really a pro-labor republican in that sense he was the same as every other republican before him like Republicans are just anti-labor. And if you look, if you actually look at his administration in terms of policy and stuff, like he, he did things that were actually pretty bad for unions. Um, or he, he would appoint uh, people to commissions that were involved in union affairs that, that would undermine unions. There, um, there's this, there was this one commission that ruled that uh, union organizers could not use work emails to coordinate strikes. And it's like that kind of stuff is that that is a basically a gift for Amazon, uh, making it harder for people to organize so that they can fight for better wages and benefits. And nevertheless, the rank and file union members still saw in Trump someone who was appealing to them because at least rhetorically he was. And I mean, I think that also shows how desperate these people are. Like someone, please help us. Even if you're not telling us the, the whole truth, like at least you're acknowledging us and talking about the stuff that we're you're, you're talking about the hot issues that. Uh, Democrats won't talk about and Republicans won't talk about uh, increasingly, like case in point, Tim Scott's rebuttal to Joe Biden. He had one totally insignificant throwaway line about immigration. Yeah, and uh, Trump made moves on trade and immigration, mm-hmm. especially in his 2016 yeah. run, even if you knew, even if we weren't entirely, if we were somewhat disappointed in, in what yeah. happened after he became yeah, president. Right. Yeah. But I, th- like that by itself is going to. Is going to appeal to like like blue collar union workers because the, those two things are really the the what killed us in the nineties and bef- yeah. I mean before that 
What, what, what do people? Uh, I mean, if you talk to the average Southern guy, you talk. Oh, you, you know, you bought. Where'd you buy that? You know, you bought that car. Oh, that's a Jap. Oh, that's a Korean <laughs> car or something. Well, well, where's that car made? Who who are the kind of guys that that are that are building those? That's the guys that beat up fucking Stephen Crowder. When we're talking about these things, this, yeah, 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 damn right, son of a bitch. I I I, I buy American. Yeah, yeah. No, that's right. I, I don't. Again, I don't know. I think it's because I have tried as much as possible to distance myself from um, conservative, liberal, right, left. Although I still identify as you know someone who's on the right because of my social views. But I think part of the problem is. Uh, when we get into like the commentariat and wonks and intellectuals, oftentimes these people on whatever side they're on, they, they enter the debate with preconceived notions and principles. And so there's not a whole lot of room for the human element, which is the rank and file union worker who's desperate for someone who will throw them a bone. And so, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I guess it's just odd to me because I've never... Uh, I've never really seen things like that, and it probably helps that I don't have like a like intellectual background. My background is I've worked as a busboy, I've worked in construction, I've worked in security, I've worked as basically uh, every kind of like odd job that you could think of. Um, that might be an exaggeration. I move, but I've, I've done stuff like I moved furniture for Bassett Furniture. Um, so I don't have this kind of like hardcore, um, I guess, blinders of ideology where you just hear the word union and like, like I said, you, you black out because you're so angry because unions are socialism. You know, the one, the, uh, there's a, a figure we always talk about that's kind of like um, that he's, he's in this, he's in this world. He, he's just, he's just very old and doesn't, doesn't have the, the, like the ambition to like, you know, really do something, but he, but he, he thinks in these same terms as Jim Clyburn. You, you, you know, Jim Clyburn. <laughs> I'm not all that familiar with him. So Jim Clyburn is, is a, uh, is a, uh, house majority whip for the Democrats or whatever. And, um, and it's just, it's very, and so, uh, so Jim Clyburn, he, he made Jim, he made Joe Biden president. Clinton himself said that every, he's the one that swung South Carolina, for Biden and pretty much got it pretty much, Defeated Bernard Sanders by himself. Oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah. So in, in the, the, all this stuff, like oh, it woke stuff. What about this? Uh, what about this gender thing? All this kind of stuff. Uh, none of that shit matters because uh, it, because he basically he does these little material things. He uh, he first off he he in a very huge long way he he uh, he does stuff for his his like the actual people who vote for him. Uh, over fifty percent of the of the black voters who went to the polls in. In uh, in 2020, said I just vote for whoever Jim Clyburn tells me to, <laughs> and they do That's that great. because uh, he. Now this is this is a poor district, so he isn't like uh, you know everybody isn't dry. This isn't Saudi Arabia. You really, uh, he, he does a, a little bit of stuff, but he tells you a like what he did for you, and then he tells you how he got the power to do it. This is a very Huey Long thing to do. Huey Long says I'm going to go get this money from uh, from uh, Standard Oil, and you know I know how to do it. Uh, and and you're going to get a taste of it, and and 
it doesn't take much. It really doesn't take much. People say, wow, I get something out of this. I, I will, what, 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 what do you, the point I'm making is that there's a who whom here. It's like these people just live in ideas. They're like, well, does this, does this help government or what would Adam Smith say about this? <laughs> and the, these people who win, the Huey Longs, the, the Clyburns, they say, well, do these sons of bitches pay us or the other guys? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And I think that's why Huey Long is so fascinating to me because he's, he kind of occupies this status of you're not supposed to know that Uncle Huey Long ever existed because he's everything that a politician is not supposed to be. Uh, and I've only been Huey pilled for like six months, maybe. Uh, I don't actually remember who brought Huey to my attention first, but I, I remember that it just kind of it kind of came up in conversation. This guy named Huey Long. And then shortly after that, Tucker Carlson mentioned, and I think quoted Huey Long on, on, on his show. And I was like, okay, well, it's time to, time to dig in. And I just started reading about him. And I, I the guy is just really remarkable. Uh, this, this totally, uh, this, this basically this person who could have been world historically significant. And in a way he was because after his assassination, a lot of his policies, a lot of his ideas ended up going into the second New Deal. And I didn't even know that. I, I think most people don't even know that. Um, but m most importantly, I think, is the fact that he was able to create this really powerful political machine uh, in the South. And he was able to lift the boat for so many different people uh, in, in this really incredible way. He's all, he was also apparently a brilliant lawyer. Uh, according to Taft, who was serving as Supreme Court Justice at the time, and he said that that Huey Long was the most brilliant lawyer that had ever practiced before the court, which is really impressive. Uh, the, the The case that he took to the Supreme Court was one where I think a telephone company overcharged their customers, and and Long successfully prosecuted a victory, and um, that company had to repay, uh, had to reimburse uh, a few thousand customers. Really, really incredible guy, and. I mean, if you if you read like just like the superficial lore, it's like this is this was the closest we ever came to an American dictator. Or like this this guy was just really scary authoritarian. But then you actually look at what he did, and 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 uh, you're like, okay, how how is it possible that Huey Long did this uh, if he was so bad? And like the the simplest answer is is the one that I think uh, wonks and intellectuals find problematic, and that's that the public loved him. Everyone, everyone who was not like an elected official, and uh, in other words, not powerful, loved him, and I, I think that says something about Long and the fact that also he was able to do it without race baiting. That was really common for the day. Like Long was really able to lift the boat for everybody. There's some really funny stories about how he was able to help black people get jobs in hospitals, but uh, yeah, um, really remarkable guy. And it's, I think you guys know more about him than I do, actually. He he had he had a great policy like the the race betting policy is great because it's so pragmatic because if you start talking about it, if you if you sit down and say well we need to have an honest conversation about race and we need to just talk and talk <laughs> about race um the, like no matter how what your good intentions are like this is this it's just it, it doesn't work right yeah we've been having a conversation about race for the last six or seven years how's that turned out for us <laughs> you, you you can do that or you can say hey uh. 
I'm going to give it. Everybody here is going to is in in like his early case. Well, I, every you know, if you went your your kid went to school back then, you had to buy uh, their your textbooks, and he got the money from Standard Oil, and and uh, everybody black, white, whatever. He's like, you're all going to get free textbooks. Everybody gets it. And you don't you don't say that you don't say this you don't say that and uh, you know the, the 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 leaders in the Ku Klux Klan were like well this kind of sucks all, all these guys, our lower level guys they're going to vote for Huey Long the same way all these black people they were going to vote for Huey Long because uh, you you this is one thing it's like oh does the media all these narratives we need to, to beat this uh, what, what how do we counter the critical race theory ideology it's like you you can just skip all that shit and just say uh, we'll, we'll help you out with some cash <laughs> people yeah. don't care about yeah. any of that shit. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. But even that requires more backbone than any Republican has today. And I, and I say Republican. Huey was a Democrat. Um, but I, I don't I can I can't see a Huey Long emerging uh, in the Democratic Party today. So the only place he could emerge is would be a third party or um, the, the Republican Party, which is I think I, I start my article by saying that Huey Long was everything that Trump pretended to be. Yes. And I think that that's true because um, I think a, a long could only emerge in the GOP. Whether or not he would be successful is a different question, but I think it, it, he could rear his head up there. Um, and so that's that's why I refer to the GOP. And But even adopting a kind of longism is just beyond the pale for any Republican today. And why? Well, long framed the main distinction of friend and enemy as basically the overclass versus everyone else. It's it's all of us normal people against these corrupt uh, oil barons, against these corrupt bureaucrats, against these corrupt politicians, against these corrupt judges, against these corrupt journalists. And it was phenomenally successful. He, he created an unstoppable political machine. But again, even that is it, it just requires one spine, which it seems to be uh, the case that if you're a Republican, you have to have your spine surgically removed before you take <laughs> office. And two, I think that also the GOP's funding structure just kind of prevents that from happening, it, it, which is, I think, even more kind of pathetic because I, I think everyone knows by now that most of the billionaires in this country side with the Democratic Party, right? That That's just a fact. Like, it's empirically proven that Biden had more billionaire backers than Trump. But the GOP still comes back and, and gets on its knees and drools on the boots of the corporations that are crushing mm-hmm. their own constituents, so, which tells you, like, that is how uh, owned the GOP. And, and forget, like, the, the occasional, like, token, like, oh, my God, this policy that was proposed that's never going to pass is so based on the balance, on, on the whole of things. The GOP is still very much captured to the corporations that are trying to crush uh, its constituents. So, I, yeah. I, I think problem. that we're going to see movement on that, and we, uh, we we kind of already are because in the last two elections, there's been a lot made about uh, how much uh, how much big billionaire money, corporate money, finance money yeah. went to Biden ver- instead of Trump, which was you know traditionally you would expect that to be Republican. Right. Now you're reaching a point where even even like, a, like the most basic support of a Republican can be taken to people in the I guess what they call the what our, what our friends on the left call the PMCs, will 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 just is is absolute kryptonite to them. They the, if if you support the Republican Party, you are essentially doing violence to people just by virtue of, of having the wrong politics. Except They're for not, Liz Cheney, <laughs> you yeah, have to well, support her. 
Yeah, exactly. And, and so that like that'll kind of work itself out because you're you're not going to be able to like if you're a CEO of a company and you've got your like your your rainbow flag logo every year, you're not going to be able to to be like seen as cooperating with Republicans at all. So I mean, mm-hmm. unless they're just going to be chasing after people who who are not giving them any money uh, openly trying to destroy their party, which I, I mean, I, that is, I'm not saying that's impossible because you, if you see the state of the Republican party right now, they're, they're, they're kind of halfway there, but it just seems, it seems like that would, that seems impossible, right? Like you couldn't, you couldn't have them literally doing like political favors and working for people who aren't giving them money and are trying to destroy them. Yeah. Well, I think it, it's worth bearing in mind that the G- this is actually not new, and that's one of the points I try to make when I'm when I'm critical of Trump is that the GOP actually has a long history of doing what it did to Trump, and and that is that it has a long history of uh, capitalizing on popular anger, people that are just fed up with how things are going, and riding the populist wave and then neutralizing it and then just assimilating it into the establishment. The same thing happened to Reagan. I wrote an article about this for Chronicles Magazine that if you want to understand why Trump 2016 was different from 20, uh, Trump 2020, look at what happened to Reagan. It's really uh, eerily very, very similar circumstances. And so I think that it's I think that it it's probably possible, but it would require a it would actually require a kind of Huey Long persona, and in, in the sense that someone who is really, really, really willful and domineering and is willing to basically break up his own party in order to get what he wants. And the only reason he's able to do something like that is because he has such a powerful popular base like that. That is, I think there are a lot of problems with populism actually. uh, But I think the most effective aspect of populism, the, the vehicle that populism is, is that you're using popular support, popular outrage to, take on the establishment from from within. It's like, I don't need Mitch McConnell. I've got all of Mitch McConnell's voters on my side. So Mitch McConnell is afraid of me. But again, you would need someone like Huey Long that has like the balls and, and the, the intelligence to do that. And again, uh, his story is really remarkable for a lot of reasons. And I think especially that there's all these great anecdotes where supposedly he... he uh, he, I say supposedly. So there's this, there's this story about how he called them the National Guard, and it wasn't even clear that it was like how he did it was the way that you're supposed to do it. He kind of just deployed them uh, when and where and how he wanted them to, and he, <laughs> he, he and he had them go into town and start shutting down brothels and uh, arresting pimps and uh, detaining prostitutes and confiscating gambling equipment and destroying it because he felt like the moral effects of gambling and, and vice was just bad for, for the people that he was that he was presiding over. And uh, there, there's this, supposedly this Louisiana attorney said that what he was doing was unconstitutional and that you know kind of this whole like uh, you can't legislate morality kind of an argument. <laughs> and Huey Long just shot back and said, well, no one asked you for your opinion. <laughs> and <laughs> like that's the kind of person that we would need. And that's that's the kind of person that is really difficult to come by. I think that the setting is really perfect for all this. Because first off, yeah, so the Democratic Party is is kind of like too strong right now. Like, if you want, let's say you wanted to be you wanted to be king of America, right? 
<laughs> and because, by the way, this is something that comes up because, you know, you talk to dissident people on the right. I mean, they're straight up monarchists, right? And I've talked to these yeah. people and, they're, and they're, they're like, well, populism, like, well, that's, that's ridiculous. I want, uh, I want, uh, to do all this stuff. It's like monarchy and stuff. It's like, well, uh, uh, this is like the, uh, what, what would you call, like, th- this is a method to get power to be the fucking yeah. king of America, bro. Wait, wait, what do you think about Caesar? He was, <laughs> yeah, you're not going to unfurl a scroll that says you were, that says you should be king. You have to get, you have to be, you have to get the power. And that's what this is about. This is like what? What do you? This isn't about like some book that's written, you know, that some uh, Adam Smith or some shit. This is this is uh, this is uh, this is about ambition and power, dude. Almost and, all of his critiques by his political enemies are that he was too good at accruing political power and actually using it, right? Which is yeah. like the, the biggest sin to them. Yeah, it's like hold on, wait. <laughs> do, do you hear yourself? <laughs> Here, here's another thing about Long and. Pedro mentioned it earlier, and he mentioned in his article. Uh, you can get people online who are dissident right or dissident left, or, you know, radical thinkers who will like they'll they'll simultaneously claim him. He's a he was a he was a radical leftist communist, or he was a radical right wing fascist, or, yeah. or did the opposite. They'll disclaim him. That's one of the one of the ways that you know that he was effective in the like in the in the political time that he existed that's that a feature not a bug yeah you can't nail yeah. him down you can't you know, uh, people like to follow the path of least resistance and once you kind of declare a major then you're 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 stuck with uh sanders is a great example if we're if we're if we're talking about recent politics you know his 2016 run uh he kind of tried he did his best to to say that you know he wasn't interested in these things you know he's not worried about gun control he's just worried about getting you getting you 15 dollars an hour and then, of course, what happened in 2020? He got he 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 was his campaign. However, however you want to decide that it happened was shanghaied into supporting all these crazy things that that while near and dear to the hearts of like the I guess the institutional university students, blah blah blah, <laughs> they loved it. But it, like yeah. it, to regular people, it, it meant absolutely nothing. And yeah. one way you can avoid that is by being like long and you know you, you, he, he would. Uh, I think in Pedro's article he said that he would just when he was asked if he was like a communist or a fascist, he would just laugh. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And I, I actually that that is. I wish more people would do that. Like I wish more Republicans had the the balls to just laugh off these accusations of being like a racist or a fascist or something or. Uh, or like, I mean, I get accused of being like a crypto Stalinist all the time on Twitter by right wing <laughs> Twitter, and I'm like, I always just I either ignore them or I laugh at them because it's so stupid. But yeah, uh, Long was accused and is accused still today of of being a fascist. And here's the really interesting thing is that if you read about Long today, there's an article in the Atlantic that's pretty recent. There's a few articles that that emerged about Long. Uh, because Long is a, is a good analog for Trump. Long, uh, he, he's a kind of explainer for how we got Trump, right? And a lot of these articles mention the, the whole fascism thing, that, that in his time and today, Long is associated with fascism. Curiously, n- not many, if any of the articles I've read, mention that Long's actually most, his most vehement critics were uh, communists, that his his staunchest critics were communists because they viewed the Great Depression as their opportunity to swell the ranks of their supporters. That it, it was a kind of proof that capitalism had failed in the United States 
and that communism was the answer. And you can see that uh, voter uh, voter registration for the Communist Party in places like New York did actually increase in in the time following the the crash. Uh, and, and so, why did communists hate Huey Long? Because Huey Long is he's uh, he he talks so much about redistributing the wealth. He wanted to fight the oligarchs, like Standard Oil employees conspired to kill him because he pushed Standard Oil so hard. So why would Marxists, why would communists want to, you know, why would they hate him? Well, precisely because they viewed him as basically undermining their project to stage a communist revolution in the United States like one had occurred in Russia. They viewed Long as kind of as a, an impediment to the revolution. And Long himself, I think, was aware of it and, and viewed his share the wealth plan as an it was basically this or communism. Like you, you, you guys either go along with what I'm, I'm saying, uh, or or you will get communism and then you'll be sorry. And the funny thing is, is that like I said at the beginning of this talk, aspects of his share the wealth program were incorporated into the second New Deal. So I, I think the the proof is there. And but going back to the the point that I started on, it, it's interesting that these. Uh, I'm sorry, these shit libs who talk about Long as like an authoritarian and a fascist, they don't mention the whole the aspect that Long was hated by both sides because they both saw him as as a, as, as a as a threat to their own power. And uh, uh, I'm gonna, I want to come back to this because I think this this the whole like Caesar Long connection is really interesting and it relates to this. Absolutely, there, uh, we we did an episode about this. There was a quote that uh, the the right wing yeah, Huey quote, Long versus the communists. Yeah, yeah. The, the right wing quote was was um, uh, uh, this uh, Huey Long's ideology was was hatched out of the out of the uh, Paris Commune, blah blah blah, and um and, and the communists <laughs> were, were totally right because they were like, well, we're out of a job if this guy goes anywhere. No one's yeah. who's going to give a shit about about uh, about you know free bread if this motherfucker gives everybody a car <laughs> and a house and shit. Like we're done. And it was obvious to him at the time. Uh, it, it, he, you know, he was like, uh, he was like, uh, he died like what, forty two, something like that. At that, at that time, so you know, he's just coming off of just being a state guy. And this is a state guy when there's not national TV and all this kind of shit. And uh, there's eight million people in the Sierra Wealth Club, in the United States. Eight million. This is a time when there's 110 million people in America. There was forty thousand communists in, in this one communist club that, that was going after him. They were like, this is like we're we're done. If this guy gets anywhere. Yeah, yeah, that's right. There was a, there's a real ideological difference that you won't like if you're young and you don't you haven't you should interact with communists. Like ask them like go ask them like what is the difference and they will tell you. There is this thing in communism that's like capitalism where it's like uh, the most important thing. This is where you will find like uh, they're like well, we don't like small business. We like to uh, we like big corporations because everything needs to be full industrialization. We want uh, uh, we want to yeah. industrialize the whole earth. Like there is like they're yeah. right. He's not there. He's not what doing what they're doing yeah um and i think the other aspect of this that the whole like scary long uh was going to turn america into like a militaristic society and all that uh long was actually a hardcore opponent of of the military machine and uh he he actually blamed explicitly blamed wall street uh for our involvement in the spanish american war the first world war and then this uh latin american conflict the, the chaco war and he he railed against wall street against industries for dragging us into these conflicts in other words he was a he was about as close as you can get to an isolationist 
Oh, yeah, all the and, United Fruit stuff. I mean, in in in, yeah. in, uh, in every man a king, he tells you all oh, these sons of bitches will, will, will have your son dead in in Nicaragua for just making them some money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. And so again, uh, I think I think it's amusing. Uh, and I mean, uh, I think well, one, I think it's amusing that when we talk about long, when when the libs talk about long, they omit this these these aspects of him that he was anti-war, that he was an enemy to communists. And I think I know why. It's because uh, you can't really tell the full story of Wong uh, of Long because it's it's too appealing. Because then you start to get kind of like, well, shit, what's wrong with this? What's wrong with someone um, seeking office and actually using the power of the office to to give people what they need and what they want and and actually helping them? And and I um, I think also the 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 moral aspect of Longism makes makes libs uncomfortable, which is Long obviously seemed to have a real problem with vice like he, he thought that actually it's bad when people are so miserable that they turn to gambling and prostitution and maybe we shouldn't uh, maybe maybe there's something wrong with bread and circuses like this, this stuff is really problematic for for libs um who who i think are the ones that have written the most about him in recent times um and the the, the whole thing about political corruption i didn't write about this i i I should have. Uh, it occurred to me after I had published the article, but probably the most consistent criticism of Long is that he was corrupt, that he <laughs> built this corrupt political machine. And I think about Caesar and I think about Tiberius Gracchus. Uh, basically, let's let's go to Tiberius. So Tiberius was this, this Roman uh, tribune who rose to power precisely because the Roman plebs were unhappy with what the the Roman elites had done to them. They had dispossessed them of their land, of their birthright. Uh, the, the land was being worked by foreigners. Like, wow, a lot of this stuff sounds familiar, right? Um, and so this the, the, these Gracchi brothers uh, rise to prominence, uh, and Tiberius Gracchus um, in particular, is he's the first of the two brothers that is, is assassinated, and basically, from his rise to power to his assassination, he gets into this huge battle uh, with the Roman Senate, trying to enact these reforms to, to basically tip the scales of, of power and, and, and benefits uh, towards the Roman, uh, the Roman people, away from the Roman elites. And the Senate ultimately kills him. They murder him in the streets. And they murder him because they, they accuse him of, of trying to become uh, a a dictator or a king, I should say. And there are some historians who argue that when the Roman Senate murdered Tiberius Gracchus in the streets, the Roman Republic died. That that was actually that was actually when the the Roman Republic ceased to exist and continued existing only in name. It was called the Roman Republic, but it wasn't really a republic anymore because it chose violence over the democratic process to resolve a problem. And so, going to Long, it's like. Uh, one of the again the criticism of Long is well he was corrupt. Long was reacting to corruption himself. Like the the Great Depression began because the country was plunged into it by avarice. All of our wars up to that point had been fueled by greed. Uh, Paul like while while people were starving and like everyday people were struggling, politicians were helping themselves and like going to brothels and partaking in all the like all the kind of vices that they told you know everyday people to his chew right so in other words i think long story is this story of like uh corruption is what you make of it 
And like Long's Long's sin was that he used a so-called corrupt political machine to help people, which is the one thing that you're not supposed to do with corruption. If you think about a minor point, if you think about the way Long would talk about the you know the robber barons and and I guess the ruling class in general, he would he would use the language of gluttony to talk about them. He would talk about like oh they're at the table, they're taking all the food, they're eating yeah. all the grub, they're not leaving any, anything for the rest of us. Like uh, that 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 kind of tells you that. That is a, a kind of rhetoric that it would be hard to imagine a politician of either stripe using today because it kind of goes it, it goes back to uh, Christian morality. Uh, when's the last time you heard have you ever heard a public figure talk about gluttony in general? It's just you, you, right. you can't imagine it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. The the, the moral tones are are too strong there. You you got to talk about gov- big government waste and socialism. And he made the man made his bones defending what was a state senator who was charged with the Espionage Act for opposing World War One. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. You you brought it's, it's funny you brought so uh, art like basically the we uh, Caesar is probably the, the character we talk about the most. It's just uh, in a, kind of a, in a similar way. Uh, he he also left a di- him and Huey Long left a diary, and they have this really clear way where they say, "I this is why I did this. This is why I did that." Um, th- that that may be one of the reasons why I love them so much. But um, you see the same thing. You brought this up, so you see the same thing uh, where with this uh, uh, what what is you know what killed what killed uh, uh, the Grocky? What killed Caesar? What killed? By the way, uh, you know Martin Luther. King Martin Luther King Jr. He was this guy. He's running around talking about uh, doing uh, uh, what some might say today is black id poll. Blah blah blah. Uh, uh, he so he does all that. They do the, the civil rights. Uh, then he goes. He goes off. He comes back and he says, "We're going to do a a poor people's party. We're just going to have a coalition of all the poor people." Uh, like three days later, they find him full of holes. Right. This is something. This is something that happens all the fucking time. Right. What is this? This yeah. is this is the yeah. swamp. This is this oligarchical thing. We've seen it in America. We seen it, saw it with Andrew Jackson, right? Andrew Jackson's like, I'm going to let any any uh, any uh, uh, any guy that you know d- does this military service and so forth vote for the president. Uh, uh, they didn't get him because uh, you know that son of a bitch will shoot back at you if you try to kill him. <laughs> yeah, I think there's two ways to look at Caesar, and the first way is that he was a, a, a dictator, like a tyrant in waiting, and uh, that he was a, a bad guy that destroyed the Roman, the, the Roman Republic. And then the other way to look at him, which is goes back to the, the story of Tiberius Gracchus, who obviously Tiberius came before Caesar, uh, that if, if it's true that the Roman Republic died with Tiberius Gracchus in the streets, then all Caesar did was, was acknowledge that like this thing is dead and it is corrupt and it is up for grabs and i i have the balls to grab it it was in by, by the way it wasn't going to last like these guys were going to ride this bitch down to the end because uh, you can't they couldn't get new especially the gracchi like i i don't think the gracchi is especially like uh, the gracchi were just like we need to make this thing work right i have to go out there and kill these barbarians and shit and the way you guys do things i can't recruit army guys if you don't give them if you if they don't get a cut after their service like i need to make this thing work like it it was just to, i mean in my opinion that was just part of the, the like the marian reforms and stuff to them yeah. this was just making a functioning army was giving veterans a, uh, a what they had earned yeah and it's funny because it there's nothing new under the sun right and uh in plutarch's uh the lives 
in, in Plutarch's lives, he writes about how there was a land reform that prohibited individual Roman elites from owning, uh, like basically kind of capping the amount of land you could own. And so what, what happened? They just basically bought uh, land in, in groups, like like family, fam, different family members and associates would buy land and it would all go to, basically it would all uh, be under the control of one person, but they would beat the system and, and beat the law that was intended to stop them from doing this by just uh, by just buying it through intermediaries, and it's just funny because it's like like I said, there's there's nothing new under the sun, and if Tiberius went kind of crazy, <laughs> and uh, like towards the end was becoming like kind of resembling the the people that he was fighting, it's because uh, again he was reacting to these things, and it was kind of like he was being pushed to that to that extent. Uh, coming up against this totally intransigent Roman elite that had just completely abdicated all responsibility for the Roman people over which it was supposed to be you know, taken care of and, and, and uh, looking after. Obviously, it wasn't at that point. There's, there's a great line in Plutarch's Lives about how um, how animals have like their caves and their and their and their spaces to go to, and, and like like wolves can return to their dens to sleep. But Roman soldiers don't even have, uh, like, forget caves. Like, they have nowhere to sleep. They also have nowhere, like, they don't have temples. They, don't, they have nowhere to worship their gods and their ancestors. That, like, that, that is how, what we have done to the Roman soldiery. And again, doesn't that sound kind of familiar? Like, when you look around and you see how the United States government treats its veterans, a lot of this stuff sounds really familiar, doesn't it? <laughs> I was struck when he, he talked about the Plutarch pl- putting a cap on land ownership. Like uh, one of the long, uh, long signature uh, policies was a wealth tax, and I assume it, I don't know if everyone listening knows exactly what that entails, but it's a cap on how much how much wealth you can own, not an income tax, not capital gains tax, an actual tax on the wealth that you that you already own. And uh, as Pedro mentioned. Some of the things were rolled into the New Deal after uh, after thirty six when uh, Roosevelt essentially cribbed mm-hmm. a lot of his platform, and uh, yeah. Roosevelt did add a quote unquote wealth tax, but it was act- it was just like a, a regular in- like an income tax with with the you know the, the branding of it slapped on there. I, I it is today I think what la- early uh, sorry earlier in the year there was talk about California slapping a wealth tax. Uh, but no, no one really believes that's politically possible today, right? Can can anyone imagine that? Uh, I I would I mean can't sorry are you talking about normies or are you talking about me <laughs> because well, I can't I can I can see a wealth tax happening. Right? Don't all these billionaires say they're giving away all their money anyways? Which by the way they're not you know they they put it into these uh, uh, Bill Gates uh, uh, you know all these people they, they want to put it into a foundation and become some kind of weird uh, uh, yeah. social engineer but they all every one of them you know the Facebook guy and, and the uh, uh, Berkshire Hathaway guy they all claim that they're giving it all away at the end anyway it, do you do you think Pedro that we could just take Jeff Bezos' wealth just straight up a wealth tax I can't I can't imagine it happening it's just so, I think we're so far cool. off from that but I, I don't yeah. I don't think it's beyond the pale of possibility I don't I don't think we're Maybe quite there, but I think that you could probably uh, sow the seeds by making the argument that uh, it was immoral for Jeff Bezos, mm. Bezos, 
to make $13 billion in one day uh, during the pandemic when we know now that like so much, so much of the pandemic uh, appears to have been a lie uh, with this like lab hypo- uh, lab leak hypothesis coming out. Basically, the media and American elites conspired to crush the truth that it turns out COVID-19 was more than likely a, a, a the product of biological engineering instead of just this thing that evolved from animals. And I think it's it's it, it, I think most people are actually ready for that kind of a thing. Like, I, no, it's not okay that Jeff Bezos made thirteen billion dollars uh, while small businesses were being crushed. That that's not okay, and it's especially not okay because he's he was able to continue doing business because uh, his delivery services are subsidized th- through the United States Post Office. In other words, through taxpayer dollars. And I think that people are ready for this. Even Republicans, if you look at polls, Republicans want higher taxes on corporations or they think that corporations should pay higher taxes. And I think that's only I think that's just scratching the surface uh, because these polls ask questions like, well, you know, do you think that people like Jeff Bezos should pay more in taxes? And it's like yeah, probably instinctively you're like, well, yeah, probably. Um, but I think there, there's a way to make the argument that's even more compelling. Do you think that Jeff Bezos, people that use their fortunes to offshore jobs, to flood the country with cheap labor that they exploit so they don't have to hire you. Do you think that Mark Zuckerberg, whose company has been accused by the DOJ of deliberately discriminating against American workers because they like because American workers uh, have to be paid more and they can't be exploited, do you think these people should be taxed more? It, it's not like this is not hard to figure out. I think most everyday people have a kind of sense of justice and indignance that will make them say like, yeah, absolutely. Like, fuck yes, we should text Mark Zuckerberg more because I sent my kid to school so that he could get like the jobs or not the jobs, the skills he needs to get a job. And he graduates from school only to find out that guys like Mark Zuckerberg are actively discriminating against him because he was born in the United States. And that means he has to pay him a little bit more than a visa worker. So yeah, uh, the, the I just Googled the, uh, there's a great uh, classics MIT website where you can read Plutarch's Live for free. And the, there was the law that I was talking about. Uh, so the law pro- prohibits anyone from owning uh, more than 500, uh, 500 acres of ground. And so uh, the rich men of the neighborhood contrived to get these lands into their possession under other people's names. And at last would not stick to the claim, most of them publicly in their own. In other words, uh, the rich bypassed this law that set caps on how much you could own by just having other people buy the land for them. And uh, at the same time, they were they were publicly professing that they would fall, obey the law. A lot of this sounds familiar, doesn't it? <laughs> shell corporations. <laughs> yeah, that's right, yeah. Roman shell corporations, yeah. There's a, a good omen here I've just found, because I was looking it up. So, so what would be, so let's let, what, what, make it real. So if you took, Huey, if you took the, 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 uh, the inheritance tax from the Huey Long's platform, uh, inflation adjusted to today, it was $5 million back then. In today's money, that would be $99 million, uh, in, $99,647,000 and change. Almost exactly to hit the $100 million. That would be a perfect thing to say, well, do, you, uh, do your kids need more than $100 million? 
can they can they survive? Yeah. Could they survive on just a hundred? Yeah, I, no, I, I think uh, this is something that the right that the GOP has not been able to do and figure out and bring itself to say. Uh, I think it was actually AOC who said that it's immoral for people like Jeff Bezos to to make that much money in a single day and to use it in the way that he does. I actually agree. I think that the, 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 the this is how the right should be talking about the issues of the day. And I, I think there's there's examples of this all throughout American history. Uh, another one is um, William Jennings Bryan. I, I usually get his first or his middle and last name mixed up, reversed. Uh, but this is the man who famously issued the uh, cross of gold speech. Do, do you guys know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The, the way that he talks about materialism about how about wealth and things like that this is really powerful and again it might not do well with the wonks at the heritage foundation the cato (laughs) institute and the american enterprise institute but everyday people will hear this and people who are still pious and considered backwards by by the elites right like they'll hear this and they'll they'll just know that like yeah this is right it's not okay that these people are doing this uh but again there's this there's this real problem right where uh neither party really seems able to willing or able to to talk about the issues this way uh we have to talk about them either in in kind of like uh material terms how the GOP does or this kind of like the the woke nonsense that you hear from the Democratic Party about it which usually means like racializing uh everything Yes, channeling any kind of moral thought about public policy or really anything <laughs> into these into the into the gutters of either like CRT yep. or yep. Uh, whatever like whatever Mitt Romney is whatever whatever you want to call that I, I don't even <laughs> what was the Clinton quote it, it, yeah if, if, if we nationalized the banks that wouldn't end racism yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. well that's too bad we're gonna do it anyway. <laughs> Even on the right, even the guys talking about CRT, you still see like most of them are still like, well, this is communism, blah, blah, blah. You see a couple of guys that sort of understand uh, how things really work. Uh, they understand that, that these that politics is patronage. It's patronage networks. And they're all saying like, look, CRT is a way that they hire lots of people yeah. of their guys. And that's why we're going to ban it. Uh I see that. I see that's pretty cool. I, I, I saw uh, – uh, I, I wouldn't trust him further than I could throw him, but Tom Cotton said he was going after the um, – Endowments, the, yeah. Endowments. And we've seen DeSantis yes. in Florida basically just uh, – uh, this thing that, that – like you, you mentioned earlier with the Huey Long story, that this thing where it's like, well, can he do that? Can, can DeSantis just say, well, we're just not going to lock down? Well, I think we're going to see this a lot in a few right. there's nothing. There's nothing – there's no magic person that's going to come down and make you do things. Can they do that? I don't know. Who depends on how much ambition you got. What do you what do you what do you see happening here in, in the near future? No, I, I think that's right. I think so. The, the question that was asked earlier was, would a wealth tax be possible? And I think that you're you're seeing not something that really reaches that level just yet, but DeSantis's opposition to certain COVID restrictions, his willingness to sign a bill that allows. Uh, business owners to shoot looters, things like that. <laughs> I think it shows that actually it is possible to, to push the envelope on what we think is uh, pragmatic. And is I, I actually think that oftentimes when politicians talk about, not oftentimes, almost all the time when politicians talk about uh, the art of the possible and we have to, we have to uh, 
moderate our expectations. I think this is just a, a kind of um, out. It's a way to sound like you're not a coward or that you don't suffer from a poverty of vision. But when you see guys like DeSantis who take these bold steps and the public is really receptive to it, you wonder like, well, uh, why don't we push a little bit harder? Why don't we go a little bit further? And and um, I think even Bernie Sanders' candidacy is proof of this, right? The, really the only thing that stood between Bernie Sanders and and the like the golden ticket was the fact that his own party uh, stabbed him in the back, and then Bernie uh, unfortunately did not have the balls to stand up to his own party when that happened. He he totally capitulated, but Bernie was pretty radical, and he was phenomenally popular with 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 a lot of people. And in fact, a, a lot of what Bernie said actually sounded a lot of uh, a lot like what Trump said. The way that they talked about globalization and the deindustrialization of the United States. The effects of mass immigration. Bernie famously called immigration a right-wing Coke policy, <laughs> which is totally true. You see how how this is like basically the the there is a real desire in the public for longism. The only thing that's missing is is people who are willing to prosecute it. And obviously there there are like logistical issues there, like well you need money to run campaigns. Um, but but I think. We should not sandbag ourselves with with the whole art of the possible cop out, because oftentimes um, what what's really lacking is is just vision. And before I hand it back over, um, I think that if you look well, here, here's an, a, a better uh, I think a better um, mental situation. Go back in time and tell someone in like the 30s what the united states is like today with with like you know the the proliferation of transgender ideology with with the erosion of borders and the salience of citizenship if you told them that that's the united states today they would tell you that they're that you're insane that the communists had one and or that you're like crazy and that's not happening um and if you told them that the american right the conservative wing like what they believe and how they talk about these things they would tell you that like the, the communists have won. The left has completely won, <laughs> and, which is true. Like not, not, I don't know if the, I don't know if I would say the communists <laughs> has won, but basically like like the left owns basically everything, including the way that we talk about the issues, right? And so, what I'm trying to say here is is that the left is visionary, so visionary that if you would go back just a few generations, the situation that we are living in right now would be unfathomable to most Americans. Like they just could not believe mm-hmm. that Jazz Jennings, this uh, this teen trans, like uh, maybe a more notable example is like uh, Desmond is amazing. Like this kind of shit, just you couldn't imagine it a few generations ago, right? Like your grandparents could not have imagined it. But the left had this vision in their mind of what they wanted for the United States and they they pursued it until the end and were living in it. And all along the the right has said like art of the possible, prudence, kind of just uh moderating expectations and so what I'm saying is is that the right needs to be as visionary and as bold as the left or all it's going to do is just continue trailing the left in uh, in 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 the shadow or in their shadow along the the arc of history. We'll be we'll be uh, and they've already they've already uh, you know they're already preparing the the, the next the next uh, stage of, of the 
of our march into uh, uh, enlightenment was is you know the build back better you'll own nothing and eating uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, maggot yeah. stew and stuff live and, in a pod only fans girlfriend eat bug burgers yeah yeah we'll be we'll be sitting around eating bug burgers and, and dreaming of the of the the of the halcyon days of, of the 2020s um, <laughs> back when we had our our more traditional drag queens and, and things. Were, <laughs> Yeah. yeah, Lady yeah. Maga. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, real upstanding right. stuff. It, the old, the good old days. That's right. It, the um, so uh, thanks for coming on. This is uh, that's this prime time Gonzalez. It's PedroGonzalez dot com. <laughs> uh, you'll see, or you could just catch him on Tucker Carlson. Uh, I assume uh, we. You've got, I mean, you've got you got everything. You got Twitter, uh, 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 Twitch, American greatness. Yeah. I saw you doing. What are you doing on Twitch, man? I, I don't I actually don't game. Uh, I try to, but I'm, I'm one. I'm too much of a boomer, and two, uh, I, my I have a laptop, so my laptop can basically only handle Broforce, which is this uh, side scroller shoot. Uh, it, it's kind of like Contra. I don't know if you ever played Contra. Oh yeah, the old oh, hell yeah, yeah okay. thirty lives. So it's like it's right. It's basically <laughs> Contra, except uh, all the characters are like based on action heroes, and so that's basically the only thing that I'll stream. Um, but yeah, my personal website is Pedro L because my middle name is Luis L Pedro L Gonzalez dot com, and it got links to my Telegram, my Substack newsletter, my Twitter. Um, I should stream more, but like I said, my my laptop's not super high end. Oh, it, we we use we use it once a week. We just use it like like live radio, or whatever. It's it's fun. Talk radio, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Twitch Twitch is a it's it, it it's an interesting platform. That's for sure. American Greatness, uh, writing there, uh, was Chronicle? Yeah, Chronicles, mag- uh, a magazine of American culture. I actually can't recommend Chronicles enough. I uh, I actually got my start there, uh, and I I basically carried a lot of the ideas from Chronicles magazine to American Greatness, where they have received pretty uh, widespread uh, approval, so... Been, it's been uh, kind of interesting because if you don't know, Chronicles is uh, basically a, a paleo conservative magazine, so um, not something that's really inside the mainstream. But uh, kind of through me, I guess it, it's it's enjoyed that. Yeah, that's that's where all that's where all the action is. You got uh, Emeritus. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce how you, how you, your your Twitter handle. <laughs> it's okay, uh, Emeriticus. Uh, I, I just he throws heat I, on there. You got to follow him on there. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, uh, emeriticus at e m e r i t i c u s. It's a play on the word hermit. Uh, I don't know how I came up with it, but and people don't they don't know if you he, this guy's right. He's left. Is he Stalin? <laughs> he could, he could, this guy could be anywhere. In, in, anywhere. In, in is six he months. trans? Is he straight? No one knows. I've got a wife. I've got a kid. Maybe it's a front. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's how it is. All right, thank, thanks, man. Thanks for joining us. This, this was a good time. Thanks for having me. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. That's just a little bit more than the long of the line.